And together, we're the Badgers. We shot the Invincible Swordsman. Hands off that dial. Business is about to get a whole lot nerdier. You're tuned in to Founder Quest. Well, what's up in y'all's worlds? Not kayaking yesterday. That was nice. Oh, nice. Cool. Did you did you get that like foldable one you're talking about? Uh, I did order it, but it is back ordered, so I have not yet received it. Oh, dang. It's like this was a bad time for everyone to wait to purchase like those things they were putting off for their recreation time until they have like forced time on their hands. Yeah, totally. We went um, canoeing on our little our little vacation a couple of weeks ago. And it was really nice. It was one of those things where I was just like kind of dreading it um, because we had, you know, Ida with us and, but it actually turned out being really sort of like calm and peaceful and, you know, all that. It was just very nice. Where did you go, Ben? So out on the Sammamish River, which is right, right near me. And uh, yeah, we went from Redmond towards Lake Sammamish, but there's a, a little area with a bit of turbulence and, we were in a inflatable kayak, so uh, we were not able to proceed. They've some, some, some people might call them rapids, but, uh, I did mean, some, did you do some sick rapids? <laughs> uh, no, we turned around, <laughs> oh. but it was a nice, was you're, nice you're going to wait till the, uh, you're going to wait for the, uh, the paper kayak, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> for the rapids <laughs> or yeah. origami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ordered one. We ordered a, an inflatable one. Yeah, so, they're fun. Yeah, I should, I awesome. should do that. I should. We've got some rivers around here. The only trick is like the way where we go is kind of rocky, and so every time we're done, I have to inspect the bottom for new holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as long as I remember yeah. to do that, it's okay. Because the water the next, does the water get low in places? Yeah, it gets pretty low. Okay. How does yeah. that work when you're like out there? Do you just like look for bubbles? Like yeah. coming, coming out from under you, you just keep an eye out for bubbles. <laughs> or you start to feel lower in the water. And you're like, oh, I, oh, I guess that air. would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do carry the patch kit with us whenever we go out. Good I mean, is, it's pretty easy to patch. People have been saying the 90s are coming back. So like low riders are in. So low rider canoes. I imagine just like a next step of that. For sure. Definitely. So we have some like good news. I don't know if, if, I'm just going to say it and then like um, you can tell me if it's public or not. But like we got our, our SOC 2 report done, right? Yeah. We got that in? Yeah. That's why I'm feeling a little tired today. It's like finally got over over the finish line and now <laughs> I'm just collapsing. It's, you know, post-marathon just dying. Yeah. I know. Time for it's, a vacation. Yep. Just scheduled it. Nice. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, um, so it's not public yet because I haven't written the blog post yet. But uh, yeah, that's on my to-do list. But it's not like a secret. It's not a secret. We Just between get, like us and our listeners, we can... Yeah, we did get that. our type one report for our SOC 2 audit, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks. It was a team so does, <laughs> Not No, team not really. That, a team <laughs> of one, yeah. I mean, I'll take credit for reading some policies and... Yeah, I read some policies and I was like, uh, I guess this makes sense. I don't really understand it. Um, okay. I did, I did learn I, a lot throughout. I really have, I still have this, we talked about this briefly a while, a couple weeks ago. I saw this idea of building a site, uh, some sort of resource for startups like us to get more familiar with what the compliance process is and kind of just demystifying that whole thing. I mm-hmm. think I know a lot more now 
than I did when I started. And I think there's a lot that could be explained in, in layman's terms to help people, entrepreneurs understand like what the whole thing is about and, and why you might want to go through the whole process and why you might and why you might not want to go through the whole process. I know we, we talked about this, like when we got started down this road, we were like, do we really want to do this? And yeah. we didn't really know how to answer that question. It's, like, it's oh, not I for guess. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah. I mean, because one of the reasons we didn't know if, if we should go down that road was because like nobody would tell us what that road actually was. <laughs> right. It was all just a bunch of vague stuff. It was this very vague thing. It's like a road you go down, but you, you can see about a foot in front of you. It, right. At least that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. And people who have been down that road are like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Let you find out. Yeah. It depends, you know, <laughs> or you can, you can uh, pay me a retainer. Well, and, mm -hmm. and part of the, yeah, part of the problem is like there, there aren't many small startups like us who have done it. Like most of the people who do that are large organizations. And for them, it's just, it's not even a question. It's like, well, they have to because of whatever. Yeah. And so there really, there really aren't people like us. who can say, oh, well, here's what I did. And here's why you might want to do something like it. So what, what are some reasons not to pursue that path? It's very expensive. Mm -hmm. you're, you're guaranteed to be spending tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, there's no, mm -hmm. no way around that. And it's very time consuming. Like it took me a lot of time to put together everything. And then go through the audit itself is actually pretty time consuming as well, because you have to provide so many evidences of the things that, that are part of that process. Yeah. So those are some pretty good reasons why not to do it. It's expensive and time consuming. So if no one's going to care anyway, then the trade-off doesn't work probably. Yeah, like, for sure. Just don't do it. Yeah. I mean, we got started on the path because we had customers asking about it. Right. And mm -hmm. That is really it. Like if you have yeah. sales that if are being someone actually up, cares that affects, <laughs> yeah. you, that affects your, right. Your bank and, account or, and, and if you can't talk your way out maybe, of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause there are, there are things yeah. that you can do. And this is part of the resource site that I'm thinking about putting together. Cause there are things that you can do that are short of full compliance audit that will help alleviate concerns for people who are asking you for a, you know, a SOC to report. Uh, who are asking you for your security posture and 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 no one <laughs> no one who has any vested interest in this whole thing like auditors or consultants no one's going to tell you that like oh by the way there's this really cheap approach you can take which should solve 80 percent of your problems right so uh, yeah you know this sounds like a course this sounds like a um we need to get some long copy for a sales page um you need to like have record some bonus videos yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Have a 30 page pdf right yeah. And we can just like lay it out. It's like in this book, you'll learn the secret way to get around compliance stuff that none of the people will tell you because it doesn't cost any money. You know, <laughs> like it's just laying it's all, it's just like so obvious. Buy now for only $4.99. Yeah. I'm not afraid of like giving away this idea on the podcast yeah. because, because <laughs> like nobody's going to do it. It's really hard. It takes so much we work to learn this stuff. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, I have thought do about doing that. I just don't know if I have the energy to do that. Maybe, yeah. I take, maybe if I take a month-long vacation first, then I'll have the energy to actually undertake that kind of project. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we could get some help with it. And probably it would take a lot of organization and stuff. We could outline it and treat yeah, it like a good, research yeah. project. We should, we could we should mine, we could mine, next, mine Ben's maybe. brain for the, as a research project and then hire some you know, designers and... You could just hire somebody to like 
just interview you and then write it down yeah. and put it together. And amanuensis, if you will. I learned that word a while ago. I've been waiting for years to find a place to like actually use it. Boom. Boom. There you go. Scrabble champion. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm, I'm down, Ben, if you want to, we could treat yeah. that. We could treat like that, like another, you know, like a, another product in the company. Yeah. Or, Sounds like fun. You know, project. I'm down. Yeah. We read the deep literature, so you don't have to. That can be our <laughs> tagline. Yeah. <laughs> we were there when the deep magic was created. I love it. I love it. So one thing that you, you said has been really useful in this process uh, has been our habit that we've kind of fallen into of documenting everything. Sort of documenting our meetings, documenting our processes and stuff like that. And I was thinking about that the other day because... You know, I was having a meeting with um, Ben Finley, um, our marketing guy, who, like, we were talking about rearranging some of the, the sort of processes um, around blog posts, sort of the management of the, the content creation and stuff like that, because I'm spending a lot of time in that, and he would probably be better at it than me. So I use sort of, we've got this, in Notion, we've got this page that's just like, um, a list of sort of meeting notes. And so I created a new meeting note and used our template, which is like, you know, what's the agenda for this meeting? What did we actually talk about? Like, what are the takeaway to do items? I love that format, by the way. Yeah. yeah thank you. Great. Thank you. And every time I use this thing, I'm just so happy because it's like, okay, this is very obvious, like what this structure is. Okay. We're, I know we have to have a meeting. I know we need to discuss mm -hmm. this stuff. I'm kind of unclear about anything else. Well, Okay, I know first step, I create this document with the template and then I just start filling it in. And that just sort of provides structure to the meeting. And then also I can just sort of be like, okay, here's the link to that meeting and everybody else can see what went on at the meeting without yeah. having to go. Well, I was going to say, oh, like, just... we had our, um, the three of me, uh, Star and Ben Finley, had our uh, monthly marketing. Like, we all get together once a month for a like, strategy meeting, I guess. But that was what, yes, was it yesterday? It was this week. Um, it was yesterday. But yeah, like I, I was able, I, I was able I know, to read it. I'm sorry, it wasn't it was yesterday some, at all, was it? It was sometime it was some this week. <laughs> I think it, <laughs> We're still in March, right? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, whenever that meeting was, the morning of, because I, I missed that, um, you know, the, the other meeting you were just talking about. But I was just able to go and like read the meeting notes. Um, you had posted like actually before that you had posted like a uh, like some thoughts that you were going to cover in Basecamp. So I just read those two things and I felt it was like I'd been there, you know. And we were able to jump right into our big picture stuff. Yeah, and I guess I should clarify. Like we use a couple of different tools, right? We use Notion um, for some things. We use Basecamp for other things. Like we tend to use Notion for documents that maybe have to be edited collaboratively, but that are mostly sort of documents. Like they're not, they're not necessarily discussions. They're not necessarily things that you're, I don't know, like works in progress yeah. where you're just like, Hey, check this out. You know, here's what's I, on my mind. I can't stand discussions in notion, like the, with the comments yeah. feature, it's just, it's frustrating. Well, I personally have had a lot of trouble, like just knowing that they are going on. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's like in notion, you need to like, be like, okay, there's this document I want to edit. Okay, I'm going to that document. And it's, there's just not really, um, I find that the discussions aren't really surfaced very well, but sort of Basecamp is more like where we, it's like where we do discussions, it's where we just sort of post, you know, 
spaghetti that we're throwing at walls and Whisper, you yeah, know stuff like spaghetti that spaghetti at each other <laughs> throw spaghetti at each other yeah little known feature of base camp <laughs> yeah notion is great for persisting those kind of meeting notes and i like the collaborative editing and that context like when we're having our conclaves and we're we're filling in those things that we actually talked about or the to-dos that are coming out of that meeting that's mm -hmm. that's been really nice but but yeah i agree that the the notifications like coming out of notion like hey you should pay attention to this thing that just changed are terrible and the discussions are terrible <laughs> so Basecamp yeah. has got both of those things really nailed i like the collaborative editing in notion when it works especially too <laughs> oh that's a sick burn work. That's a sick burn. Can I tell you all a secret? Um, yeah. Like for a while, I, st I was using Notion for my personal notes. And I eventually, I switched to just the Apple Notes product mm -hmm. because like it's good enough for my own personal notes. Like I don't need, I don't need collaboration for them. It just like always works like perfectly. Um, it's a native app. There's no weird, you know, there's no weird like DOM glitches or whatever. Yeah, uh, like not the notion has a ton of them, but occasionally, you it's know, got a fair share, at least in my experience, we should probably look at alternatives one of these days. Yeah, we you know we've never actually tried using Google Docs, like we yeah. use G Suite for email, right? But that's all we use it for, like we don't on, on calendar, but we don't we've never really tried using like collaborative Google Doc editing for our meeting notes and things like that. Oh, that's true for for like the collaborative, like, yeah, the collaborative features might my, it seems to be pretty well developed in Google Docs, but everything yeah. else about Google Docs, I cannot stand. Like it's, I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's just, it's just like a document editor. Like the whole concept that Notion has of like databases and like right, the, how its approach to data is completely different. So I don't know how. Yeah. I would hate to have like a folder on Google Drive of our meeting notes that you have to then like search and. Come up with some so, sort of metadata system to classify them. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know, if you, like you, you don't understand how Notion works, like basically, like documents can also sort of contain um, arbitrary data, and you can sort of specify the format, and they can be nested. And so, like we can have like our document that's like the list of uh, the list of meeting notes, and then we can have like nested inside of that individual documents. Um, that pop up when you, you know, click on them and stuff like that. It's a little bit more flexible than, than Google Drive. Although, I mean, I'm not sure how different it is from a folder. I'm not like, is it just like, is it just like syntactic, syntactic sugar? Well, the thing that's really nice, I like about Notion when it, those data elements is that you can look at a different views, right? You got that list or you can do like for our podcast episodes, we have that, that Kanban board, right? View. And so you can say, oh, is this, is this episode like is this an idea or is it something that we're recording is it now in production yeah. right you can move it from stage to stage or you can look at that same set of data in the table view right and so i like yeah. i like that part of notion as well i think it's it's if you're gonna compare it to something like sugar on top of something i would almost say it's uh it's more of a spreadsheet it's almost like a spreadsheet with a uh like a a document attached to each each row or something with like views yeah because then you can is have it, different views on a spreadsheet basically and one but of it's those a lot more it's a lot more text view. focused than a spreadsheet yeah well i'm kind of going the other way for blog stuff like uh we started out so i'm managing about i i don't know how many active people i have like maybe 10 10 active authors and i've got maybe 30 or 40 
non-active authors who may or may not show up um, at different points in time. Um, it's kind of vague. And so for managing all these articles in progress and all the authors, um, I've been using a tool called Proof Hub, which is a project management tool, which, which I selected you know, based solely on the fact that it was a set price per month for unlimited users. Because pretty much every project management tool I looked at uh, required, you know, it was, it was like a $10 a month per user fee, which is, is just kind of, I mean, we could afford to pay that for 30 users. It's just really on principle. Like, I just didn't want to pay $10 a month, like for an author who like may never write an, a post for us. It just, it just seemed like just, ah, I just didn't want to do it. But, you know, since then, GitHub has actually um, changed their pricing model a bit. And this is a good, um, if you don't know about this, like, dear listener, like, this is something that, that may be useful to you. Um, it used to be that for the GitHub free plan, you could get, like, they would give you, like, I think unlimited uh, private repositories, but you couldn't have, like, a team. Like, you couldn't really collaborate with people. Like, you couldn't have... Yeah, you just couldn't have like, um, like team features, which is something that, you know, we need because, well, we're, we're a team. Yeah, recently they changed their pricing, though, where essentially pricing is based more on the um, number of sort of CI, CD minutes that you use, um, like minutes of compute time, storage, stuff like that. It's sort of much more based on like the resources that you use now. And so even the free plan has like unlimited private repos, unlimited collaborators teams, all that, that good stuff. So like, I'm in the process of switching like all the stuff from this sort of, I don't know, purpose built thing just into GitHub, just generic GitHub, because I don't know, it's just going to be much easier. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of Notion. Yeah. I like GitHub projects. That's, I, I started to find them more useful over time. I use one for my, like for my primary to-do list for just personal, like, well, work for work stuff. And it's really nice because I spend a lot of my time in GitHub so I can reference issues and do all the GitHub workflow stuff. If I want to like, if I have an issue that I'm, I need to remember later, basically just I add it to my project for our org and it's on my to-do list. So it's nice to track things. I have a confession to make about to-do lists. I have never been able to get one to stick. Like I've tried so many different things for maintaining a to-do list. Like I've tried the GitHub project. I've tried Notion. I've tried uh, Basecamp. They all have to-do lists of some form or another. And I, you know, I put stuff in there and it goes for a while and I'm checking stuff off. And then eventually it's abandoned. Like I have an abandoned to-do list that all have things in things on them, right? The, the only thing that works for me for actually keeping track of things I want to do is using reminders on my phone, like the Apple app, right? And, and that's just for like, you know, I need to like, I don't know, get an oil change. And so I put that on there with a date, right? But that doesn't work so well for development tasks that spread across, you know, five or 10 different projects that I'm working on. So I have yet to find a to-do list that I can actually stick with to help me track my work. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. I don't know. I like, like the setup I have is, I think one of the one of the things that you need that like is important is that you need to be able to like just clear clear your plate completely and not be worried like not be afraid to like just get rid of all your to-dos or something because then that, that's where you end up with like you know a backlog a huge backlog that you're afraid to do anything with but you also don't ever you probably won't ever do it anyway 
I use mine more as like a short term, like what am I, what's going on during the week? And also like what, what is happening that's still in progress, but it's like waiting on other people, like for issues specifically, like if someone creates an issue on our, one of our client libraries, for instance, I can, it's, it's not in my actively like doing column. It's in the, like in progress. I use the, uh, get, it's like their workflows, automation workflows. So just move, you know, it's in the, in progress. I can, I know it's still happening, but I'm, I'm not really, really worried about that column. You know, I'm kind of in the same boat um, in terms of long-term to-do lists, especially for work stuff. I have a very hard time doing it because they, they just, yeah, they get overwhelming. I find the, I find sort of big picture to-do lists much more useful. Like, um, like in our conclaves, our quarterly conclaves where we all meet and, and set the, the, you know, direction for the quarter, we have action items and those are really useful because, you know, it's like, maybe one, two, three things that I'm kind of responsible for that quarter. And so I can sort of look up and be like, okay, what do I need to do on this? When it comes down to, to just sitting down and breaking those up into like a hundred small tasks and then doing them one by one, I just can't, I just, I just can't do it. Like it's like reality di diverges from the task list and then I don't update the task list and all that. When I talk about using um, like GitHub, issues and projects and stuff for the blog. It's not, I'm not even talking really about to-dos. I'm more like talking about the state of uh, tracking the state of articles that are in progress, just so I can be like, okay, there's, you know, these ones all need editing. These ones are, you know, the author's working on them right now. Stuff like that. You know, I've also been using reminders a lot um, just to kind of be as kind of a, a, that's just a way to capture things that occur to me just during the day. So I don't have to worry about them. Um, and that's mostly because I can just use Siri. Like I actually just use Siri to make a reminder to do things. And then I don't have to think about it. Yeah, they, yeah, I love that. I use, we use that for our uh, grocery list, which is awesome because I can just add things to the grocery list from the kitchen or wherever I am with Siri. And, and Siri understands, add this to my list. It's, you don't have to say reminder. So basically I just say like add bread to my shopping list and it does it. Oh, nice. nice. I didn't know that. I hadn't even considered about doing that uh, for a shopping list. Like we use a, an app called AnyList for shopping lists, but if we could totally use that. Yeah, you don't, I mean, it, it's just, it just works like a regular list. If you don't attach a date or whatever to it, it doesn't have to remind you. It'd just be a place to store things. Isn't it interesting how like all these products eventually get made into like just features of the operating system? Mm -hmm. Like this is, I don't know. Like pretty soon, like all new computers are just going to have Honey Badger. You're just, they're just going to have an air tracking system just installed into them. Well, yeah, that's maybe it'll be built into like some the Microsoft suite or, or whatever. Yeah, like every new AWS instance just spins up its own um, its own copy of Honey Badger. Yeah, I'm st I'm like constantly amazed by the things they they add to to VS Code, like that uh, that AWS logging integration you were showing us, Ben. What was that again? I didn't look too closely at it. So AWS has a plugin for VS Code. And this week, they announced an update to that plugin that you can now cruise through your CloudWatch logs groups. So you can get access to your CloudWatch logs directly from VS Code. So you, I tried it out. It's pretty slick. You navigate, and it, it gives you all your different groups. And then uh, you drill down to each stream, and then you can basically say, "Okay, open the stream. Show me the logs that are in there." And then you, they're right there. It's pretty sweet. So then you could like edit code, deploy your serverless application or whatever 
from within VS code and then watch the logs yep. as it's happening. Yep. Yeah. I don't know that it has active tailing, but, but yeah. Yeah. Are they going to put like your, uh, your charts, the, the, you know, like your metrics and stuff in there eventually. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Dashboards and stuff. Yeah. You get your dashboard, just switch, flip to your dashboard. That, I mean like that, that could be handy. Like when you're coding, if you want to, yeah. True. Yeah. That, that plugin also has, you can interact with your Lambda functions. And I think it also has S3 navigation. You can navigate through your buckets. So. Oh, that's really cool. I can see the Lambda function one being really useful too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like I've really been enjoying the, it's a different thing, but I've been enjoying the, like the autocomplete for Tailwind, like the, the Tailwind CSS, like VS Code plugin has like awesome autocomplete because there's all these million classes that you need to know. So I almost wonder like if you, if you really want your open source library to be successful, you should just launch it. You should release a VS Code plugin with it. For real. I guess we'll need a um, VS Code plugin for, for Hook Relay then. Maybe you can get your your hook relay uh, logs, like your the payloads that got sent. Maybe we should uh, have a, a log viewer in VS Code. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, because then like if you're working on a uh, working on the hook locally or something, and you're triggering it from your your dev environment, then you could watch watch the real time stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're receiving hooks from a third party that you're trying to build against, so if you want to see where the payloads are, yeah, that would be cool. Editor. Yeah, that, would be, that cool. would be really cool. Like have an inbound integration. Yeah, then it'd be pretty easy to generate like a spec. So a spec fixture if you want to test against. I'm thinking specifically about like if you want to write a test for your Stripe webhook handler, right? You want to get a sample of that payload so that you can run that against your tests. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Long time ago, I wrote a, I remember writing a blog post about doing how to do that. I wrote this like little rack app that like took inbound using, I don't know, whatever the uh, local tunnel or something at the time. And it was a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's still like, I haven't had to do that in a while, but it was a, it was a major pain. I'm wondering like how auto completion might figure into that in, into a, like a um, hook relay plugin. I mean, yeah, you probably couldn't do anything like, like if you didn't have a client library, like if people are just sending um, direct like post stuff to to us, but like if we did have a client library, you could have you know autocomplete for that for languages that don't, I guess, have it built in. Most I found like pretty much all languages have fairly they have some form of decent autocomplete. Even Ruby with a with the addition of uh, what is it the Solar Graph is that what it's called then? It's a gem that uh, is a language server for Ruby. That the, the language server is what provides that some of that logic, but. Other languages which don't, you know, I don't know, there's a like more like statically typed languages have that stuff built in too. So like that's one of the benefits of like TypeScript, I think, in VS Code is it's got really, really good completion. And if you're not going to give me auto-completion, like you can give me docs, right? Like press F1, like you hover over the keyword, press F1 and you get your, you get your docs all about how to use, how to send a, this payload to Hook Relay. Totally. Yeah, press F1. That just that takes me back. That takes me back, Star. Back to Terra Pascal and and WordPerfect. Yeah, that's where I'm always headed. I'm just uh, I'm an arrow pointing backwards. <laughs> like I can't like you know on on my little magic Mac wireless keyboard, I can't even press F1 right unless I hold down the function key because it's it's uh, brightness down is what it does if you press that key. 
Yeah. And I don't have a function layer at all in my, uh, it, well, it's on the second layer and it's, yeah, I have to press a modifier key and then my top row does, yeah, it's kind of the same idea, but it's on my ergo docs. I don't even have keys on my keyboard. I just scream at the transistors and they do what I say. <laughs> you just modulate your voice to get the, the different yeah. modifiers. Yeah. Oh my God. That is reminding me of this really cool um, demo I saw like in, I don't know, like 2007 or something. This guy who, um, at that time, like the only real um, usable like voice recognition software is called Dragon, uh, like they had a product naturally speaking. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so this guy programmed it to be able to do, to basically be able to program with it because he had real bad wrist issues. And so he would like, he assigned different um, like, vocal sounds to different like um like special characters you know like parens and uh brackets and stuff like that and so he did this demo where he was just like up there making this these random sounding noises and it was like writing code on the um you know on the projector mm -hmm. yeah i think there was a a pycon talk several years ago that had someone who she had done something like that and was demonstrating her her system for writing code using just voice and it was it was actually pretty darn amazing i was impressed hmm. good news for them although i mean it's yeah massively impressive the, like the skill to learn voice <laughs> just like i mean like a language of uh controlling a computer interface lucky for them elon musk today is supposed to unveil the first uh brain computer interface that he's been working on at that whatever that company is called I is that called remember. Neuralink is that what that is Neuralink I think that's the company yeah yeah, yeah. oh yay I love so. Elon Musk so much okay he's so well, wonderful I gotta say you know for a company like let's say Tesla who hasn't yet figured out how to keep their cars from driving into semi-trucks because they think they're billboards I'd be pretty hesitant to trust technology with my brain you know what I'm saying to to like weave <laughs> like fibers into your brain. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical. Let me let someone else yeah. try that first. Apparently they've been doing it on animals. <laughs> <laughs> it works great. It's great for them. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what else do you need? I mean, hey. Yeah. Do these animals have like Twitter accounts? <laughs> are they, yeah. Are their thoughts being like posted to, um, do they have like a, a, a live, a live, live journal? <laughs> live journal. <laughs> You're all you're all about the blast from the past today. <laughs> <laughs> I am a blast from the past. <laughs> but yeah, I guess one. I guess like the initial use cases for uh, I think like um, like paralyzed people that you know can't interact with the world otherwise. So it'd be interesting technology in any case. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I am I'm not going to be the first to try it. I don't think. No. I'm not the first to try anything though. Like I am not an early adopter. <laughs> I'm sorry. So <laughs> same. Yeah. It's just, and that's, that's fine. Like I've, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Can I tell you all the story about electrodes? Oh boy. A long time ago when I was in the sciences, I um, watched a student give a, a paper about their research that they'd done for, I, it was, I, I think it was an undergraduate thing. I don't think it was a grad student, but Basically, they were trying to do the same thing. They were trying to like wire a um, like mouse's brain up to a wire so that they could have it send a signal down the wire. And it was just like the whole presentation was just 
it's just like, okay, so we tried this way of like attaching the wire to the mouse's brain and the mouse died. And we, then we tried this way of attaching the wire and the mouse died. And I mean, they didn't say died, but I mean, that's, the imp- that's the implication what, is clear. Yeah, that's, that's what was going on. And so it's just this whole paper is just like, we tried this and we tried this and we tried this. And those, those mice are just up in heaven smiling down at Elon Musk right now, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, finally, somebody's found a way to hook up a, a wire to my brain. If only I still had one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, like the whatever paral- paralyzed, it's, it's, the only, it's only the first step because, I mean, the ultimate goal is to um, connect humans to artificial intelligence in a, uh, you know, whatever symbiotic relationship. So Why? So like, they can play chess against each other faster? I mean, that's that's, like, that's his, apparently that's like the stated, like his stated uh, motivation for this company. Uh, it, you know, the, the initial applications are not, they're obviously like practical, but. But I thought, I thought Elon was the one who was worried about AI robots taking over the world. Wasn't that I true? Think, I think he well, is. He's only worried about them if he doesn't own them. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, I've got a proposition. Like, how about we stop trying to make people smarter and stop and start like trying to, um, teach people how to not be assholes. I like that. That's a pretty good plan. Like that's, <laughs> that's my plan for the improvement of humanity. I'm down with that. It's like, just learn to chill. You're like, you don't need, you don't need a howl brain. You just need to learn to chill. <laughs> the, the, those might be equal levels of complexity or effort. True. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. That's, uh, that's real. Like, what do people need? Like, like what, what, what tasks are there that I know? I know. I'm just like committing tech heresy here, but like, so like, what tasks are there in daily life where you're like, if only I had a supercomputer attached to my brain, like I could handle this if I was like a thousand times more intelligent. I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe that's a billionaire thing. Maybe Elon Musk wants that so he can like like personally oversee all of his enterprises. What? So like Elon Musk will be everywhere at once. Like that, I, I guess I can see that, that desire, even though it's like completely evil and um, terrible. But at least that makes sense in a way. You'd, well, you'd be able to understand it if you had an AI enhanced brain. I mean, come on. Yeah, you need one to get it. Right. I guess, I guess that's the thing. It's like, well, so, but or what or would I find myself in a situation where it's like it's like damn I bought this AI brain and I'm just doing laundry and I'm just still doing laundry like there's not like like there's it takes a certain amount of time to do the laundry there's I, nothing like I don't know but I think we have effectively proven that Elon has an AI enhanced brain because he understands why you would want an AI enhanced brain. Oh, there you go. And because he, he chose that over learning to not be an asshole. <laughs> That's how we really know. That's a good one. Probably Thank deal you. with the devil back there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we, we should maybe wrap things up before I, I have any more fire takes. <laughs> uh, do you have anything well, you want to uh, talk about before we go? Nope. I'm just happy the RNC is over. I'm happy the compliance is over. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Until next year. <laughs> uh, I'm happy that March is almost over. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Well, this has been Founder Quest. It's, it's been a trip, y'all. If you would like to 
review us. I feel like I have to say this at the end of every show, but yeah, review us if you want to. Apple Podcasts, you know the deal. And if you want to write for us at our blog, check out um, honeybadger.io forward slash blog and then look for the link that says write for us and read the whole damn thing. Like don't email if you, maybe if you haven't like read the thing. Yeah, that's all. So I'm, I'm actually very nice to work with. I don't yell at people, but uh, I'm just trying to get a message across right now. All right. Well, uh, talk to you all later. Bye. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Ani Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. Founder Quest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.